Hey, Dunker Punks. This is Matt Riddle, pastor of the Arlington Church of the Brother, and happy to be with you today. We're going to bring you part one of a very special four-part series. This is the Dunker Punks Live from Annual Conference. Live podcast recordings are always special, and these come from the exhibit hall at the 2023 Church of the Brethren Annual Conference, where we recorded one live podcast every day, each day having a different theme. The Dunker Punks were honored to receive this invitation and have been working hard for the last 130 plus some odd episodes to build out our capacity to be able to confidently say, yes, we would love to do that. The end result of all this work for you, listener, is four very special podcasts recorded in front of live audiences at the 2023 Church of the Brethren Annual Conference. Four podcasts, four themes. We'll hear about the experience of conference from a queer perspective, hearing a little bit about what it's been like in history or more recently. We'll hear about the experience of conference from the perspective of musicians, hearing a little bit about what it's like to lead music at conference and the sort of things that go into that. We'll hear about, we'll hear from conference leadership in a panel interview, including both the moderator and moderator elect of the 2023 conference. It's a special treat. And about conference from the point of view from a first timer, someone who attended conference for the first time this year and was kind enough to sit down with Dunker Punks and talk about all they experienced and thought. So whether you've been to conference, listener, 20 times, three times, or no times, there's something in here for everyone. So pull up a chair or, or keep moving on that walk you're doing or uh, keep cleaning that house or whatever you're up to while you listen to podcasts and kick off this series with us here. In this first installment, we'll be hearing from a panel discussing what it's been like to be a part of the LGBTQ plus community and be at conference. We'll learn a little bit about the current reality as well as the history, sometimes dating back into the 1980s and 90s. It's an honor to listen in on this conversation between Liz Olary Swenson and Beth Rochely, director of DMC and Everett Fisher, all led by the wonderful Annalisa Gross. Good evening. Welcome to the first night of Annual Conference 2023. My name is Annalisa Gross, and we are having a live Dunker Punks podcast recording. And I will help you meet the people who are part of this recording in a second. And just wanted to say that we're here in Cincinnati and it's past some of our bedtime. <laughs> and so you're going to be in the moment with us, even if you're listening to this later. But we also have some friends who are here with us listening live. <laughs> I live in North Manchester, Indiana, and I'm one of the pastors of the Beacon Heights Church of the Brethren. And Liz, since you're sitting next to me, will you tell us a little bit about who you are and where you came from? I am uh, Liz Ellery Swenson. I'm from Olympia, Washington, uh, the real Washington, not the DC version. Uh, <laughs> just for your Arlington friends. Um, and I'm the pastor of Wildwood Gathering. Annabeth, tell us a little bit more about you. Yes. Hi, my name is Annabeth Rushley. 
Uh, I'm the director of the Brethren Mennonite Council for LGBT Interests, BMC, and live in Chicago. Uh, grew up in central Illinois and lived in the other Washington <laughs> for 10 or so years after undergrad and yes, have been back in the, the good old Midwest since 2018. And Everett. I'm Everett Fisher. I am also living very close to the other Washington. I'm, I'm confused, which one's which now? I'm, I'm at the Arlington Church oh, of the Brethren, right. <laughs> which in case you've heard of it is where Arlington Cemetery is. I grew up in Virginia, went to Bridgewater College, stayed in the Harrisonburg area for a while and have been in Arlington for 45 years or more, um, again, at the Arlington Church. I was formerly involved with BMC back in the dark ages. <laughs> Since this is Annabeth's first Church of the Brethren annual conference, we wanted to extend a robust and hearty <laughs> welcome to you and to give you a little give you a few of our reactions for the other three of us up here who have been to a lot of annual conferences of some of the things we've noticed have changed. So, Liz, can you guess about how many annual conferences you've been to? I was talking with my dad the other day. I went to a solid, like, 10 years in a row. Um, and then I've skipped the last, well, the last, 2019 was the last time I was at conference. So skip the COVID years and... Um, I'm glad to be back. Um, but even before then, I went as a kid. Um, 20? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm in the same range. Me, yeah, at least 20. And Everett, you might be our <laughs> record keeper, record holder. Well, I, I did go about 25 years straight in a row from 1983 when the human sexuality paper was adopted in Baltimore. Uh, and then I went um, until about uh, 2008 and have gone sporadically since then. I also understand that I went to a Richmond, Virginia conference when I was about three years old, but I don't remember that one. <laughs> so what would you like to, what would you like to tell Annabeth something that has changed in the times that you've been coming to annual conference? I've gotten older. <laughs> All of the people that I have been around and with over the, the last 40 years uh, have gotten older. What I miss most is a lot of the people who are no longer in attendance here. So far as working with uh, conference personnel and people, there have been good years, there have been bad years, formerly called um, Program and Arrangements Committee, things like that. There were some people that were very good, very supportive, uh, especially of LGBT um, interest and things like that, and BMC. Whereas there were other years that the majority went the other way, so we were not quite as supportive, supported. I think um, overall, we've, we've grown, we've gotten better, but there's still a long ways to go when I'm not sure I'll last that long. Mm. <laughs> no, I think I will. <laughs> I'm not going to give up yet. Not that weird um, is is that it's a um, it's we call it a family reunion, and in a lot of ways it is um, very divided, very 
hard family. But even beyond the sort of like overarching, it's a family, um, it's the individual relationships that um, keep me coming back and keep me engaged. Um, and so I think the things that have changed over the years is a little bit of who those people are. Um, people leave jobs and move and um, and how they engage in the denomination changes. And I don't know if that's, I think that probably is a little bit of a sad part for me that the, the people keep stepping out and stepping in and each year feels a little bit different in that respect. But there are also people that I am friends with now that I was in high school, senior high activities mm -hmm. with at conference. So there's still that sort of like connectivity um, and I think that the other thing, maybe I'm just tired, but like my, I'm not feeling very positive necessarily about the things that are changing. Um, I miss the, I miss the singing. And it doesn't feel the same in recent years as it hmm. did before. And I can't pinpoint exactly why, but it's different. Like the room doesn't feel full of our singing together or the, the kinds of s songs? Probably both. Okay. Probably both. Yeah. It's just a... Uh, and maybe it's as much uh, my heart and my mm -hmm. feeling of belonging in it yeah. um, mm -hmm. as it is sort of the demographic change mm -hmm. as well. That it's not... Uh, just as Everett said, like... We change along with conference, and so our responsibilities mm -hmm. and our perspective changes too. Um, it's a more complicated. It's a complicated <laughs> relationship. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Some of us don't like to change. <laughs> I, I, I want to back up what you said about the music. I really enjoyed the hymn singing here after the session tonight. Mm -hmm. I thought. That was, that was good old Brethren hymns that I really liked. Good. Well, Annabeth, do you have any like first impressions or a question you've been curious about now that you've been one day at your first <laughs> annual conference? Oh, I'd have to think more about the question. Um, my first impressions, I think, align with actually a lot of what each of you has shared just have, having, you know, th this is my first Brethren conference, but not my first rodeo, as, <laughs> as they would say. So there's, you know, both Mennonites and, and Brethren, as humble as we are, like to think we're so unique, but there's just a lot about coming to a massive convention hall in a Midwest city the week of the 4th of July <laughs> when it's hot. <laughs> to a windowless exhibit hall and seeing people you enjoy that feels very familiar you know? so okay. i've spent most of my day over here at the the bmc booth um, which as many of you know was um, for most of the existence of annual conference was the booth was not here in existence so always uh good to acknowledge um this moment in time and what has brought us here um, but yeah, it's just, it's been a really, um, I really appreciated this being a day where I've got to put a lot of faces with names and a lot of Church of the Brethren folks that I've gotten to meet um, in this last year over Zoom or email 
and just get to make some of these connections in person. And um, yeah, I continue to really appreciate those that uh, have been around the BMC table and booth forever. and for <laughs> activist circles forever and um, all the way into folks I think that are probably having their very first point of contact mm -hmm. here with me in this on this day at the BMC table so just kind of holding the expansiveness mm -hmm. of that and how um, yeah as the church changes and even when it feels like it's not or sometimes when it feels like it's going backwards, the I feel connected to the um, relationships and resilience, resiliency of our LGBTQ kin and those who love us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I started using accomplices. Accomplices, our committed accomplices. Mm -hmm. So Everett and I were reminiscing earlier today, but I didn't get a chance to ask Liz if you have these reminiscences with us of the many, many years where our BMC worship would be at a church in the downtown of wherever we were having conference because we weren't allowed to have our BMC worship here in the convention center. And it's bittersweet to me because it was mm -hmm. like a pilgrimage we would set out on to find where this church was and we'd be, you know, sharing the information with each other of how you're going to find it. Because this was well before smartphones and everyone having maps in their pocket. Mm. And so it was like we would give each other this information that we needed so we could find our way to a new destination together. And it would be a beautiful building. It would be it's an gorgeous. old church with yeah. all this architecture that churches of the brethren don't have. <laughs> a, a really memorable experience of this set-apart place for this set-apart purpose. And now, tomorrow afternoon, our BMC worship at 4.30 p.m. in room 205. is. We'll try to make it beautiful for you. But it, we it do will have a be, traveling Ark of the Covenant. We thing. do. <laughs> to, that's right. To a quilter. If you come, you'll find out what we mean. It's a, <laughs> that's right. Um, so I would be curious for, again, for Liz and Everett to put you on the spot of the ones who are the memory keepers with me of just some of what those, the implications of that kind of change. I going back to being a kid, right? I remember um, when any sort of LGBTQ representation was sort of in a corner of the women's caucus booth. Right. Um, and I remember several years um, where there were these um, women's caucus and BMC would do these visible acts of presence. It wasn't quite mm -hmm. a protest, but it was a um, one year in particular was standing outside. Again, a kid, a kid perspective. Look at this was um, outside the main en entrance and exit uh, lining it standing with pictures of people mm -hmm. um, who were LGBTQ in the denomination, some who were there, some who had left. And I can't remember, and maybe someone else does who was a grown-up, I remember being on the BMC email list and seeing the request for pictures, mm -hmm. and I can't remember if I send a picture in or not. Hmm. Um, but I know I thought about it. So there's like this um, sort of on the margins, like literally on the margins, trying to find a presence, and as a, as a queer kid, as a queer person coming, like trying to find my way to see this like little representation on the margins was really important. Um, knowing where the denomination was and had been as an overarching statement. Um, there was one year where the visibleness of queerness was a 
little rainbow ribbon that you tied to the corner, and it matched exactly the rainbow ribbon on one of my like kid toy bags. So before conference, I cut it off and brought it because I was too nervous to go to the booth to ask for one. (laughs) So there's this like relationship for me too of like being a kid and trying to figure out how to connect Mm -hmm. and now being on this side of it and trying to make sure that other people and other kids can connect. Um, So there's that like that it is much more accessible um, for people to be able to walk up to be able to have their first encounter um with an lgbt inclusive space mm-hmm. um it's i will resonate also that the shift to having a booth in the convent in the exhibit hall to having our, our events in the booklet to having a worship space in the building are monumental um political moves I don't know that they represent the heart and the spirit of queer brotherness Mm. Mm -hmm. and I think part of that is um, I don't think it's lost but it's just different Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was already an adult (laughs) before BMC even came along (laughs) and by the time we were doing things in the way of worship services, for instance, I think for me, it felt like we were doing something to get beyond what program and arrangements would allow. We were, we were stepping out. We were going to a church. They couldn't tell us not to. They couldn't mm-hmm. say anything about what we could do. That had not didn't have any relationship to us later being given a space, a room in the convention center or whatever. But we we could choose our own churches to have our services in. We could have our own speakers, whoever they were. And programming arrangements had no, no say in what we did. We felt like we were really doing something on our own for ourselves. And it felt good in that way. But again, I was, I was an adult. I wasn't seeing it as a child. And actually, I was one of the leaders at that point. So I was seeing it as really uh, helping to move us along in a fairly visible and outspoken way without getting us in trouble. <laughs> in, anything we might do in the convention center, we could get in trouble. Mm. I don't know what kind of trouble. But, <laughs> I mean, brethren wouldn't have taken us out and shot us or anything. But they were there. <laughs> But, but anyway, it was, it was a good experience going to the different churches, the different places, and being able to be ourselves and um, talk and worship with each other. I was thinking about an analogy to banned books, since that's suddenly cool again to ban books. It's not. It's not cool at all. That. In those, in those years where the booth and the sessions and the worship were like books banned from the library that is annual conference, people would find that book and they would read that book with us. Our conversation, our sacred queer space being the book. And now the book is allowed in the library, but I'm not sure how many people are reading the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it feels marginal, except yeah. with fluorescent lighting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I think it's easy to romanticize the past, like earlier eras of women's movement or movements for racial justice, where the atrocity and the oppression was so obvious that then the reaction to it felt very um, righteous and holy and clear and unifying. Mm -hmm. And now we're in this really ambiguous space mm -hmm. of, well, we're here. So what's Ish. left? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it takes, it, there's a lot of nuance in what we're trying to do together. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, a question I bring to that is kind of where, you know, as, as we say yes to what it means to show up in kind of a more, slightly more sanctioned, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's not a full-hearted welcome, I would say, from my impression and experience. Um, but as we show up in a more official way, such as with a booth or in being in the program booklet, a question I continue to bring is, you know, what we are still here as queer people, as LGBTQ people. What does it mean to have a queer relationality or a queer, that kind of queer marginal positionality to what's going on here? And what what is that um, what is the edge of our movement? Or what is, um, who are the, the most vulnerable and the most marginalized that we need to be showing up for? And what are the ways that we push the edges, we continue to push the edges of what it means to do theology and to worship and to, you know, live at the intersections of all kinds of identities and um, the intersections of our faith and activism, right? Like. It, it can be, it is less overt, and those, and yet those questions are still there and alive and compelling. Like, what is the banned book, <laughs> mm -hmm. if we're using yeah. that metaphor, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. I think it's still there, but it, mm -hmm. it looks different than when the banned book was simply, not that it was simple, but when the banned book was allowing BMC to have a booth, right? right. Like, yeah. But there's still a lot about who we are and a lot about what it would really mean to show up fully that is not, not only not welcome, but in some ways being still actively resisted. Mm -hmm. uh, my spouse and I, um, a couple years ago, built a free little library outside our house that is a queer little library. Mm -hmm. And so it's exclusively for books with LGBTQ characters, um, people in them, but also authors. And so it's... Uh, if you if you want to know more, I can tell you more. But it's this sweet little library that's all rainbow colored. And through Instagram, we've been able to have relationships with other libraries around the country. And people send money and books. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and what it does, we're about two blocks away from a local high school. And so mm -hmm. books are not banned in our state. Um, they're included in the school library. And yet there's this um, accessibility and distinctiveness of being able to come to this little library that's rainbow colored and pull out a book um, and then share it with someone else. And it's sort of this like finding ways to continue to have our distinctiveness while also being accessible. And um, how do we do that? And I think maybe that's where I'm excited to see where you take BMC, Annabeth, is because we're at this place where we, we do now have more access and visibility, which, which has been the goal all along, or been the goal for so long, but now what do we, 
what do we do with it and how do we make it our own? Mm -hmm. I'd like to put veer away from this just for a little bit and put in a plug for those who were in charge of planning and arranging annual conference back in the 80s and early 90s. There were quite a few who definitely supported BMC, would give us almost anything we would ask for, but they were not in the majority as such to actually allow something. Some of those people would show up, and these were people actually on program and arrangements. Program and arrangements is what is now Central Committee or whatever it is now. But anyway, program and arrangements people would actually come to some of the worship services. They weren't, they weren't shying away from us at all, even then. But they just did not have the uh, ability to give us more at that time. Um, so now that you have people, it's all up to you to keep pushing them as, <laughs> as hard as you can <laughs> and as much as you can get away with because some of some will always help us, will always support, whereas others will continue to be in opposition, probably. Maybe one day. But <laughs> I think it's never, it's never a permanent thing, right? Like we see in our national politics of um, we've made advances in a lot of ways, but there's also now continuing to be these resurgence of um, really dangerous and harmful um, policies and situations. And so it's, it's um, we don't get to be like, oh, hey, we have a booth. Sweet. We're mm -hmm. done now. Um, it, it's going to be continuing to, to look and see who's who's still there and how do we ensure for the next generations um, the kids who are too shy <laughs> today. <laughs> and how do we cultivate joy in these spaces that we have found with one another that have been sanctioned with one another so that people would want to keep coming back because fear is a great motivator. It's an effective motivator. What if we lose it? What if we lose it? But it's not where we live sustainably, but joy is a place we live sustainably. Mm -hmm. So that would be my, my gratitude for this time we've spent together and my prayer for how our week unfolds is that we cultivate joy together and with all of you so that people will be drawn in and embraced into this sacred queer space. Thank you. I was just gonna, I was just gonna plug the space for queer joy and creativity on Friday, this Friday from 9.30 to noon in room 211 um, as a way to hold space, this sacred space that you're talking about, Annalisa, again. That is both uh, a practice of showing up in this institutional space, but in a way that is by and for our people. Thank you. conversation I love sitting in on. It's interesting to think about the journey of a banned book. 
when it's outside, not present in the library? Is there something about being banned or in a different place that sort of enhances interest, piques people's interest about that book? And what interest does it hold as it's placed back in the library? Now that there is a BMC presence in the exhibit hall or conference booklet, how do we continue to be present within that representation or better, the joy? work that's important for many reasons. I really connected though with one of the reasons given in that panel. We do this work, we care about representation for the next young Liz. Maybe for some of you young dunker punks, for the young questioning or queer brethren at conference or who listen to this podcast. So they know they aren't alone. So they know there is safe harbor. So they know that God loves everyone. The work continues, and I hope that you'll be a part of it. Thanks to Annalisa Gross, Liz, Olary Swenson, Everett Fisher, and Annabeth Roshley for that wonderful conversation. Again, this is Pastor Matt Riddle of the Arlington Church, the Brethren, he, him, pronouns. If you enjoyed this, make sure you stick around for the next one. Alexander Mack, John Clark, George Fox, and Jesus Christ, bye